citizens, George Lowe here, voice of TV's beloved Space Ghost Coast to Coast. I'll see you at Sci-Fi Bartow. Look out, Bartow. Daddy's coming back. Sci-Fi Bartow. It's going to be February 20th, downtown Bartow. And the special guests that are beaming up are going to be Joel D. Winecoop, the king of the B-movies, Chuck Dixon, the Batman rider, our good friend Claire Davis, Bill Hatfield, and of course, don't forget, Maria Saber of Gothic Sushi is going to be there live and in person. What else we got going on, Johnny? Do Sci-Fi Bar 2 is three blocks of fun. It is at 200 East Main Street. It'll be 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. It's a free event, Deuce. Totally free. Sci-fi vendors, kids' activities, amusement area, costume contests, even pet costume contests, face painting, trivia games, live music, props from film and television, as well as an iconic movie car show. And our favorite character, karaoke. Big shout-out to Sean Sardinsky and Lois Lane of Sci-Fi Bartow. They're putting out this amazing event and Main Street Bartow. Remember, Deuce, this is February 20th, 2016. Don't forget to come see your boys live. The, the Happy, Happy Hour, Hour with Johnny, Johnny and Deuce. Deuce. And we'll see you February 20th at Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi Bartow. This is Fred Ottman, a.k.a. Tugboat Typhoon and the Shockmaster. And you listen to the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Hello, Internets. My name is Johnny Womack, and of course, I got my main man, Deuce. What's going on, brother? Hey, man, of course, this is the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. We're a twice weekly podcast dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays for your listening pleasure. And every single episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce starts off with a good old Deuce salute. Yes, sir. Nice. Oh, that's nice, what I'm nice, talking nice. about. And Deuce, we love to have special guests with us. And for those that, that know the Happy Hour, we're huge fans of professional wrestling. We've been watching wrestling ever since we were three to four years old. And Deuce, we have with us on the line, we have the amazing, legendary performer. We have Tugboat, a.k.a. Typhoon, a.k.a. Shockmaster. He is the Fred Ottman. Welcome to the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, sir. Awesome, man. That's where I want to be. Happy hour. <laughs> that is always a good place to be. That's always that's why, right. That's always why we start the show with a good cold beer. Because basically, this is the way I can get away with writing off my beer with my CPA. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I, I wanted to kind of jump into it, but first, I had to plug Sci-Fi Bartow. You're going to be there. It's coming up right around the corner, February twentieth. Uh, who who all is going to be with you, Fred? Because I've seen this all-star lineup, and it's pretty stellar. Brother, I am very, very, very excited about this. First of all, the fact that it's a free show, man. I mean, where can you go and have the, I mean, be a part of an event like this? I got a lot of my friends coming out, man. There's going to be a lot of legends there. Uh, Hall of Famer, uh, Butch of the Bushwhackers, brother. He's coming. Uh, he was nominated to the Hall of Fame last year. Got Killer B, Brian Blair, gonna be there. Uh, I've got uh, Cowboy Ron Bass. He's gonna be there. He's wrestled all over the world and uh, start. You know, was really big down here. Wrestled with the WWF back in the day. And uh, I've got uh, Big Bob Cook. He's coming in with uh, the delicious Darlene. That's gonna be there. So it's gonna be uh, an exciting day. Plus myself, you know, and I'm uh, I have, I'm like civil. I have multiple personalities. Like you say, Tugboat, Typhoon, and the Notorious Shockmaster. Which, uh, be, to be honest with you guys, I'm going to give you a heads up. 
Uh, I just got back from Connecticut uh, working on the WWE Network uh, on the new show they're going to come that's coming after the next uh, pay-per-view, which is Fastlane. And I'm uh, doing a show with uh, Edge and Christian, who are going to have their own uh, cool show, a uh, very funny deal. We're going to do a reenactment of the Shockmaster incident. And they've been uh, teasing it on uh, both Raw and SmackDown for several weeks now. I mean, since the last pay-per-view. So I'm really excited about that, you know. Well, and I- plus, I'm, I'm also on the new uh, 2K16 uh, WWE game uh, in under the Legends uh, downloadable uh, part of it. So it's kind of cool. No, no, it's really cool, and actually, it, it's neat because uh, that's that's next. I bought two K sixteen. I haven't downloaded the Legends pack yet, but that's my next thing to do is be able to download you and have you and your tag team partner be that's able to me. be playable. So that's yeah, that's it, man. Me and Quake are, gonna, are are going against the Bushwhackers as interactive. So uh, it'll be very very cool. Yeah, it's very, I I can't wait to get my uh, download on it. You know, as a matter of fact, I mean, I have all the stuff. I'm a big geek anyway. So this show that we're doing here on the 20th, man, is right up my alley because, you know, I, I'm into comic books, hot rods. I'm into uh, uh, all kind of, uh, you know, art and stuff. Matter of fact, I could do a little painting and drawing of fantasy type art. Love science fiction, love horror genre. So I'm, I, I'm really, everything, you know, this is just cool. It's like, uh, not only am I getting to go out and meet fans and stuff like that, but also be a part of a, a great event like this. I, I looked online uh, last year's uh, stuff that they had happen in there, and man, it, it was I'm very excited about it. Well, it's definitely a fun show, and it's a fun event, but speaking of fun, uh, being yes. a part of Edge and Christian's show that reeks of awesomeness, uh, how is that, oh, yes. how is it going out to uh, Connecticut and being a part of the WWE Network? Oh, man, it's, it's excellent. Uh, uh, matter of fact, my oldest son, he works with... Uh, uh, the WWE, he is uh, uh, not only a timekeeper there, but he works for both the uh, WWE shows, but he's also on the uh, works on the NXT shows also, and he does and he works behind the scenes with production for the television shows. So you know, it, 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 I'm very proud of him. He's doing real, real good. Uh, but going up there to Connecticut, you know, and seeing a few of my old friends that were up there and. Uh, being a part of this cool program that they're putting on there and being a part of the network, I mean, it's just outrageous. It's, you know, I had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I'm still kind of tight-lipped about all the stuff that we did and everything like that, but I've been uh, dripping and drabbing pictures on my Facebook and stuff like that for fans to log on and see it and that. So it's kind of cool, man. I was really excited. Well, I think it's really cool, and what I love about the network is it's a way for, you know, me and Johnny are in our 30s, like we grew up yeah. during the, you know, the Attitude Era, but we also kind of cut our teeth on the rock and roll wrestling era, and yeah. now that these younger fans, like my nephews that are, you know, now getting 13 and 14, being able to turn them on to the network and be like, I know you like your John Cena's, I know you like your Dean Ambrose's, but check out Stone Cold and check out, you know, some of the stuff that happened during the Attitude Era and how their head explodes because they're like, they got away with this on TV? And I'm like, yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, what's really, really cool is kids that were watching me and some of the other guys, you know, when they were kids, I mean, they're uh, adults have their own families now and stuff like that. And having a, a 
a something like this that they can log on to and and uh, you know and watch the product, watch not only uh, the old WWE stuff, but ECW. They can watch old uh, World World Championship Wrestling stuff. I mean AWA stuff. I mean all kind of vintage tapes and stuff out there. Guys, they worked back in the day, and they're exposed to this stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's very, very, very cool. I mean, I, I went to a uh, birthday party uh, down in uh, uh, Bradenton uh, Sunday. Uh, a friend of mine, he uh, wrestled for. He's wrestled for quite a long time, but much, much younger guy, and still wrestles a lot of independent stuff. And uh, his son's eighth birthday, and uh, he's a huge fan. Walking into his bedroom, it's like uh, memorabilia go go, man. I'm telling you, just he's jacked and stacked as far as all the different kinds of wrestling stuff that he has. Their autograph stuff and different stuff, all different, all the different belts, copies of all the belts. I mean, you know, this kid's gonna have some great, uh, uh, great down payment on a house when he gets some age. No joke. With all, you know. Well, I I do want to ask you since you kind of gave me a good segue into it. Yourself, from all of your years of wrestling, what is your favorite piece of memorabilia that you have at home? Like, this is my most cherished piece. Man, I couldn't even tell you all the stuff I've got. I mean, uh, I saved a lot. I've had fans send me stuff. I've had, uh, you know, stuff that I've gotten overseas. I've got posters. over there. I've got a bootleg poster uh, from 92 when we worked in Wembley Stadium. We followed Michael Jackson. And when w, uh, Michael Jackson broke the stadium record, we came in about two, three weeks afterwards and broke Michael Jackson's record, okay, as far as attendance goes. Uh, I, there was, we were inside the dressing room, Jimmy Hart comes in the back, and they had a whole truckload of bootleg posters that were actually better than the, quali- the posters that WWF was selling at that point in time, you know, there, Mark, and uh, they confiscated them and was going to destroy them and you know Jimmy got some for me and some for uh, himself because he's a big sports member of being a collector huge 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 and uh, man we got all that stuff I mean and I got it on my wall in the kitchen and it, uh, you know my my wife is just awesome she, I mean I had the man kitchen I mean it's a dining room kitchen together and uh, the walls are jacked I mean uh, all kinds of stuff I mean it's hard to say I have tons of stuff we go out all the time now. We go to junk stores, go to garage sales, and we're constantly picking up stuff. You know what I'm saying? And then there's just a lot of stuff. I've got coloring books. I've got uh, posters. I've got programs, uh, stacks of programs, uh, uh, vintage magazines, and all kind of stuff like that as far as wrestling goes. I mean, I have dolls. I've got wrestling rings. I've got a, uh, a, a hockey, uh, a WWF hockey arena that I'm uh, on there, Quake's on there, Hogan, I mean, it's just very, very cool. I, I love all that stuff. I, I, I also am big into toys, so in case you guys haven't noticed. <laughs> I'm a junkaholic, man. I'll be them guys. What's that show, Hoarders? Hoarders, That's yeah, you're going to be on Hoarders That's next me, with man. all your memorabilia. Well, I got to oh, yeah, say, Jimmy Hart is one of my favorite people on the planet. I was uh, grateful enough to be able to actually meet him when Hogan's Beach was still oh. there. Uh, and not only that, it, we were celebrating somebody's birthday. He bought us all beers. Was like the nicest guy on the planet. Oh, he's he's incredible, incredible, talented man. You know, uh, him and uh, uh, a guy who used to play with him in his band, the Gentries. Uh, they used to do probably half to three quarters of the music for entrance music for a lot of the guys back in the day. 
You'd sit, you know, they'd, I mean, he's a workaholic, always been a workaholic. And, uh, you know, just loves the business and loves to keep, you know, he's not an idle kind of sitting by doing guy. Matter of fact, uh, when I just got back uh, about two and a half, three months, we went over to England. It was a night with Hogan. I was there with him, Jimmy Hart, Lanny Poffo, Randy's brother, the genius. You know what I'm saying? Look at the Bushwhackers. We were all together. And uh, we did a, a stadium gig there where it was all, we were doing autographs and meet and greets and photo ops. And, uh, I mean, over 10,000 people, plus the Q&A afterwards, you know, had a stage set up and everything and took questions from the crowd and stuff like that. It was really awesome. And uh, Jimmy told me there that when they shut this, uh, the beach club down, because he was working there when he wasn't on the road with Hogan and stuff, doing uh, personal appearances, because he still does a whole lot with, with, with Hulk, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, uh, supposedly there's going to be, he's going to, Help open up a new hotel in Daytona Beach, and uh, he's going to have his own sports bar up there with all of his memorabilia hanging in there. So it's going to be a very cool thing, too. Well, I'll tell you what. We've got legendary, epic stories from Hogan's Beach, so now I can't wait oh. to be able to say I've got legendary, epic stories from Jimmy Hart Sports Bar over in Daytona. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, you know, it's going to be awesome. I wish nothing but the best. I mean... He is, like you say, a great guy. Hogan, another guy, you know, Tampa Tampa guy, poor Tampa boy, and uh, just a great, great guy. He touched the, I mean, uh, I had the opportunity to tag with him and, uh, and wrestle with him, and, uh, you know, he that magic Midas touch, you know, when I first came in to the WWF, you know, which is WWE now, but, I mean, and he's just a wonderful, wonderful man. I mean, he helped a lot of guys' careers. No, and we've been big Hogan's fans forever, and I'm not going to lie, it, it, it broke my heart when a buddy of mine drove by, and he's like, it's not Hogan's Beach anymore, it's, yeah. I don't even know what they call it now, the beach or something, and it, it, it broke my heart, because we've literally had legendary nights there at Hogan's, and he, Jimmy Hart was oh, yeah. so nice. Uh, you know, well, they, they sold the place, you know, the hotel, so that was the, the main deal behind that whole thing there. And, uh, you know, I mean, he still has his shop out on Clearwater Beach on Mandalay. Yep. And, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, like I said, he stays very, very busy. And, you know, it's all, all kind of, he's, he stays busy. He's got a lot of projects working and that stuff. And so, I'm, you know, I'm really happy for him. That's, it's awesome. Well, speaking of Legendary Nights, I've got to ask you about the Survivor Series pay-per-view where it was Team Hogan, you, the big boss man and hacksaw Jim Duggan, because that is a uh, legendary lineup right there, brother. Yeah, just, matter of fact, I just posted a picture. Uh, we were doing promos. Uh, uh, I think uh, three or four nights ago, and then the people were like, "Oh, that's awesome!" You know, blah blah. blah you know, matter of fact, I, uh, I have uh, hacksaws. My wife actually has hacksaws board uh, from that deal there, uh, autographed to me in the kitchen <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> well, another question I had for you was, how is it working with the young Undertaker? It's awesome. I had his first matches. Yeah, uh, they said it was all house shows, and you were working with him, like the house show circuit, I guess, to get him ready for regular TV. And that's got to be yeah. a pretty big deal when they're like, let me put this kid with you and let you show him the ropes. Well, he's a great guy from the get-go. Just a really humble, very good guy. Uh, very talented, and uh, it was a pleasure working with him. You know, what I mean, it was 
always a night off, you know, being able to wrestle with a guy like with Taker. And uh, everything that he has done in the business and all the, uh, you know, all the, you know, milestones as far as, you know, his popularity and that. I mean, from the time they brought him in with that take, I'm like, I mean, I'm like I said, I used to uh, read Tales from the Crypt and all that stuff as far as pulp boats go. And I'm like, this is a great gimmick. And then his manager, Paul Bearer, another guy who back in the day was Percival Pringle, uh, in the uh, WCW NWA days, you know, and pers- and uh, uh, his manager. I mean, he was an actual Undertaker before he got into the wrestling business. Believe it or not, um, you know. But Taker was just awesome. I mean, I, I I loved working with him. I loved the gimmick. I mean, it was cool. Well, I, I definitely thought that it had to be a big matchup because those were at the time probably the four biggest guys in it, then the WWF working together on a tag team or not a tag team, uh, a Survivor Series match. But I mean, that was a stellar pay-per-view. Oh, it was really, really good, man. I mean, definitely uh, uh, a great thing to be a part of. And like you say, to be in there, I mean, I was nervous when I wrestled. I used to be nervous every night. I'd pee three or four times before going out that curtain because, you know, I'm working with guys like Hacksaw, Big Boss Man. I'm walking, you know, I'm working with, uh, you know, uh, just a multitude of different guys and stuff, and the opponents. When I first came, when uh, WWF brought me in, WWE now, I'll say that. I always go back to the past. But uh, when I first came in there, uh, for them, I had done four or five dark matches. My first ever working in front of uh, a WWE crowd was in... Uh, uh, Niagara Falls, up in Buffalo, New York, on the on the uh, American side, and I walked through the curtain. And man, I mean, you got to figure. I've been a wrestling fan since I was a kid. You know, I'm a. I'm. You know, I I, I did 22, 23 or so years in the business, three hundred days and uh, a year minimal wrestling, and uh, my life was planes, trains, automobiles, sometimes a boat. You know, but I mean, I got up there and when I walked through that curtain and I seen guys that I watched when I was younger, you know, uh, I was like awestruck. I mean, I'm like, I'm here with these guys. I was nervous enough when they got the phone call because I got a call from WCW and WWF at the same time. I was working here in Florida with uh, uh, Florida Championship Wrestling, you know, with Gordon Soli and, and Mike Graham, Steve Kern. Dusty Rhodes, who was turned out down to be my brother-in-law in the future, you know what I'm saying? But uh, it was incredible. Like I said, you know, what an experience, you know. And I was, I'd be out there once I went through there, and the music was playing. Man, it was I was great. But getting to that point, being in front of those thousands and thousands and thousands of people, man, it was, it was incredible. Well, let me ask you this: You get the phone call yes. from Vince. You get the phone call from WCW. What makes yes. you decide to go with the then WWF? Well, I'll tell you, I was here. We just did a uh, uh, Florida Championship Wrestling. had just did a big, huge show at uh, the Florida State Fairgrounds. And uh, I worked uh, in the main event with Dusty Rhodes. But Terry Funk was there, all these different people. Uh, Otto Vance, who had a company in, in Austria, okay, was there scouting talent. 
and I got an invite to go there for 10 days to Graz, Austria, where Arnold Schwarzenegger is from, and uh, I worked against him, and he was the champion over there. And uh, I come back, and uh, when I went to the office uh, downtown Tampa, I'm like, uh, I get pulled in the office, and they're like, uh, well, while you were gone, WCW, uh, uh, Kevin Sullivan had called, from, uh, he was a booker and from WCW and WWE had called and they were both interested and uh, want me to come to work for them and I'm like oh my god and I'm like you know I'd already been wrestling like seven eight eight years maybe and I'm like oh my god Am I gonna, you know or longer than that actually and I'm like uh you know they and, and what was really cool about working here in Florida was they sat down with me, Gordon and Steve and Mike and all them, and they talked to me. It was like being with your family, you know what I'm saying? Gave me advice and stuff. We're not going to tell you what to do or where to go. I mean, you have to lead with your heart as far as that goes. And, you know, whatever decision you want to make is the decision you make. And, you know, and I, I always wanted to go to WWF no matter what. There was no disrespect, you know, to WCW, you know, at all. No. But I was like, you know, but, you know, this is where I go. My biggest fear was like, man, am I, gonna, am I ready to go there, you know? That was the, the biggest thing, I, you know? Uh, going up there with all those guys that were champions from in the territory days, you know what I'm saying? They were the best of the best that he had working for him. Even people that were, they were coming in for pay-per-views that were from Japan and stuff like that, they were the best guys that there were out there. Right. And, you know, that I, I says, well, you know what? I, you gotta roll the dice and, you know, that's where I wanted to go and I'm, you know, and, I went and I busted my butt. I mean, uh, and came in there. They, like I said, they had several dark matches where they, you know, wanted to get crowd reaction and stuff like that. When I was wrestling here in Florida, I wrestled as a big steel man, big bubba, the big steel man. So when I went up there for like six or eight months before they came up with the gimmick for me, because it's all about marketing and merchandise and all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, I wrestled as big steel man there, a pair of short tights, um, and uh, worked all around and everything in front of different houses and crowds and everything like that until they came up, you know, and pulled me in the office about my first gimmick there. Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm not out of, the, out of the phone call you got at the time uh, because yeah. WCW, in my opinion, really hit more in the Nitro era. But before yeah. that, WWF slash now the WWE was really – the big boys at the time because they were really starting to take over. They were starting to get, you know, USA Network on board, starting to get more, you know, shows because then they got the the NBC uh, uh, Saturday Night Main Event and things like that. Yeah. So out, out of the two, uh, I, I definitely think you made the best decision. But also I think it's nice that you had that environment with those friends and those people that would sit down with you and talk to you about it and really kind of say – hey, this is the way to go. Because I think with any business, you really got to work with friends and people you trust and give you the best advice. You got to remember, though, this business, there's a lot of great guys, but it's like every company. You know, you got good guys, you got bad guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and uh, also, you know, professional wrestling is, is entertainment. And you've got a battle of, you know, everybody's out. You know, if you're a new guy or you're getting a little bit of a push or whatever like that, there's egos. There's egos out the yin, you know, out the thing. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. Some people, you know, if they were believe too much in in, in the uh, what do you call publicity they're portrayed as. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Me, I felt lucky to have the opportunity to do a, such a fun job. I mean, I've been to over forty something countries, uh, travel all over the world. You know, stuff that I would would not be available to me under normal circumstances. You know what I'm saying? And uh, to work with great people and, and and that stuff. But I mean, I feel blessed and really, you know, uh, like you say, you're talking about WCW and in comparison to WWF or WWE. And uh, you know what? Competition is good for both companies. And, w, and WCW had a lot of stellar talent there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, for they staying, had great You know talent. what I'm saying? That's the only complaint I have with the product right now because we're hardcore WWE fans. The only right. thing, uh, the complaint, only complaint we can say is that there's no direct competition because TNA isn't given a competition. Uh, you know, Ring of Honor isn't. Lucha Underground isn't. And I think what? they had their best years during the Monday Night Wars when they had real competition and they were scared. But they've been kind of in the catbird seat so long that it, the product can get a little stale at times, if that makes any sense. I'm going to tell you what, though. Don't talk about my Lucha Underground because I love the production of that show. Oh, I love, I love Lucha the- Underground. I love it. I, and I love, I love how they make it like a season. There's a beginning and there's an end. And each episode is kind of like if you're watching any other show, like a, a Lost or Breaking Bad, like each episode oh. builds on the next one and you kind of want to watch them in order because that, I think, really helps. I love Lucha Underground. Rey Mysterio is now there, and uh, Conan, and a lot of other amazing talent. Even, uh, uh, oh, God, uh, Johnny... Um, Johnny Johnny Del Mundo. Johnny Del Mundo, who yep. used to be in WWE. Yeah, Johnny Mundo. And uh, the they've got is, great talent. There, you got to remember who's producing it. Robert Rodriguez, who does some of the most awesome, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Quirky, awesome movies. I mean, they took, remember Spike was the man channel. But the yeah. new man channel is El Rey Network. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You got karate movies. You got horribly bad uh, horror movies. You got the different series and stuff. I mean, they're growing, and they're really high on the cable channels. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people doesn't get them. If you have Roku, you can pull a couple of... Uh, uh, there's a couple of things on there that you can get El Rey Network. I believe it's awesome. I, you have tremendous wrestling, a variety of wrestling, you have more of the old school hardcore, you know what I'm saying? They're not afraid. You know, you got Vampiro there calling the shots. Then at the end of the season, he does the switch and does the bloody ECW type match at, at the end of the season. I mean, it's just, they keep you on your chair. And then you have the vignettes that are going on behind the background, man. That's awesome. I think it's a tremendous uh, piece of work. And I mean, I was, I had like my heart was ripped out when they were, uh, you know, the last season, the first season, when they had that big lull, you know, and you're oh, like, when's yeah. the next season? When's the next season? You know? So, it, it is a tremendous product. It you is, know, and, and it's uh, actually funny that you mention that, because it used to be when I would turn on my Bright House box, the channel that would come on automatically, I'd preset as ESPN, and now I've got yeah. it preset as El Rey. So whenever yeah. I turn it on, it automatically goes to El Rey, and I see what they've got on before I change the channel. Oh, yeah, man. It's, it is awesome. And, uh, uh, you know, my other favorite is NXT. NXT, I love that, uh, that product. I mean, the guys are allowed to 
blossom and show what they have. Your fresh talent coming in all the time, being you know, and people look at initially. I think they looked at it like it was green, you know, for the masses that you know, like they're green guys. But you got guys there that have been working ten or fifteen years. You know what I'm saying in the independence. Yeah, like a Samoa and, uh, Samoa Joe, for example. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of guys there. You got the Japanese girl that's there now, and the Japanese guy, and then they're bringing another guy in from from all Japan wrestling. Yeah, you know, Nakam- Nakamura that has yep. wrestled in Japan for years. Yep, and over in Ireland, you know, I mean, it's it, it's a tremendous product, you know, and uh, the guys that are training behind the scenes are great, great workers and have great knowledge of the business, and they work together good as a team, you know. And so, I mean, it's tremendous, and that's why I love the product because they build that product like an old school wrestling yes. product. It's more in ring action. Um, it's light on the vignettes. It's light on the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's more of yes. what can you do in the ring, and it reminds me of the Attitude Era and how they used to build up feuds, how they would build up tag teams, how they build up storylines. It was great, and like I said, we're both huge fans of the WWE product. Oh, yeah. I'm not knocking it all, but I almost wish they would take some notes from NXT and use them in the the mainstream WWE product because if you've got a formula that's worked tried and true for years, stick with it. You know, if the wheel ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, I look, I look for they bring them in there and then they change. You know, they get over really big down there and then they change what they have to bring to the table a little bit. So, you know, that's the only thing that disappoints me. I mean, I love WWE and that stuff. You know, I still go to do ind- I still go out and watch independence. And here in Florida, we're blessed, like in the northeast part of the country, where they are that way, Jersey, Philly, uh, Boston, New York, with a lot of independents that run up there. You know what I'm saying? Local independents. They bring in a name here, they bring in a name there, but they're also developing local strong talent, and they're drawing decent houses. I mean, you know, here, you know, and you can, you know, and the thing is, you'll see guys that are really, really green working, and you'll see guys that are, you know, been working for quite a number of years so you know you have to go in with an open mind in that stuff and, and, and look at it like that and you're getting to see raw talent and uh, I mean some of these independents are drawing three four five thousand people you know what I'm saying it's really outstanding uh, you know uh, it's it's excellent you know you got Knox Pro Wrestling that's out there the you know the, the Samoans that are running that in the LA area and all over there I mean, it's 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 an incredible, you know, new. They are like the territories of past. I think they definitely you know? are. And and you brought up a point I want to bring up. Um, you know, people will get over an NXT with a gimmick and they'll do really well. Um, yeah. But the thing is, and I think the only problem they have is they keep doing it full sale, so it's the same audience every time. And it's one thing Hogan said that I actually really liked when he worked for a little while in TNA. He's like. We worked at Universal every single you know week for our tapings. We did our pay-per-views there. It was the same people over and over again. So they popped for anything. But when you get them in front of the WWE Universe and you get them in front of new crowds every week in new cities, they may not pop for the same gimmick that started in NXT. And I think that's where they're only having their small problem is getting them over once they get over in NXT, getting them over in the WWE universe, and get them over in WWE. Yeah, but that was before. Uh, but for the last six, eight months or more, they've been working 
not only in other cities across in this country, okay, but they've been, done some overseas tours through NXT, especially in, in Great Britain, okay? Yeah. And, and they... so they're getting exposure. Plus, you got to remember that that show is running on a network, right? So you can pull it up all the time. The, the big show they did in Japan in Tokyo, you know what I'm saying? Uh, when they, you know, showcased Finn Balor and a couple of the other wrestlers that were there. You know what I'm saying? And they got a good response out of the crowd. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's real. You know, that is changing now. You know, they're getting out there. They're on the road, you know, and uh, getting a little exposure. They're still doing their taping there, but they're also doing tapings other places in the country. Which I like to see because now that they're branching out and not only are they going overseas, but they're going to, like, big cities like Boston and Philly and, like, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, they're really branching out and making the NXT brand big. I mean, NXT sold out the Barclays Center. Uh, I heard that they actually sold that out quicker than SummerSlam did, which is an amazing feat. Sure, it's new, it's fresh, and people are wanting to see it live. You know, I've seen what I've seen on TV, but I want to see the live. And, and so when they go out there, you know the production company is going to be of the same caliber when they go out there to do a live show on the road. You know what I'm saying? We, uh, they work over here uh, in Largo, Florida every once in a while. And uh, I've been one or two of the shows, which is a small building, intimate, probably four or 500 people. But uh, it's like the old days of uh, boxing in the 50s and 60s that uh, my parents and, and, and other people, grandparents and stuff, used to talk about, they used to do, as far as fights go, smokers, they called them back in the day, where they were doing the small venues where guys were drinking, smoking and stuff like that, you know? And uh, it was very, very cool. So they're doing small shows like that around here in Florida, and they're doing larger events uh, all over the country and internationally. So that's really a, a, a neat thing, I think, as far as that goes. Well, no, and I agree because we actually, me and Johnny just went to NXT over in Winter Haven at the Armory, and it was yeah. probably 400 people. They sold it out. And uh, it, it's so nice to be in that intimate environment because we're used to going to, like, Raw and SmackDown, where it's it's not an intimate right. environment. Like there's a ton of people there, but when it's small and intimate, and you can see these newer guys like exploding, really learning their craft. Because we're we're big fans, oh. not just of wrestling, but the craft of wrestling. How do you get the pops? How do you you know make an an audience kind of uh, go along with the match with you and the psychology of the match? And just seeing that these younger guys have got that down, it makes me feel like we definitely have a future in the wrestling business. You know, the thing about wrestling, it's all about telling a story. You know what I'm saying? Telling a story to the, to the people that are in the audience, <clears throat> picking people out personally out of the audience, you know, and making them come up, making them mad, making them cry. You know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's that kind of environment. I mean, and it's all about, you know, the, I, I was trained by the great Malenko. I, I, I feel very privileged. And to, to be trained, a guy that I watched, you know, when I was a young guy on a Saturday afternoon wrestling at the Miami Beach, you know, from uh, Tampa, and used, they used to wrestle at the Miami Beach Convention Center back in the day, and and uh, he was great, you know, he's, you know, but all those guys like him and the older guys that were, because my whole uh, time in the business was an, a learning experience. You have an old saying, when, it's, when you learn it all, it's time to retire. You know, unfortunately, I never learned it all. <laughs> Too many bumps to the head, I guess. 
But, uh, you know, it's that kind of business, man. It's constantly uh, learning from people that you're working in front of. Uh, That's why independents are so good. You can train every day, you know, in, in, in a gym, in the ring. But until you get in front of people, those young guys, that's in the territory days, those working 300 days a year, driving the towns, splitting a one-bedroom uh, apartment with, uh, you know, between three guys, the guy with the girlfriend or the, or the wife gets the bedroom, the other <laughs> guys are performing in front of each other in the front room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was a crazy lifestyle. It was incredible. It was like being in rock and roll in the music business or any other business, you know, entertainment business. I mean, all kind of crazy, wild stories that go all the time. They go, Fred, man, you need to write a book. All these guys write books. I says, the stuff that you would want that I know, I couldn't put in a book because I think too much of their families. That's the stuff that you'd want to read about, the darker side. You know what I'm saying? I I go, uh, I says, I have a great title, you know, Behind the Curtain and Under the Mat. (laughs) You know, that's the kind of stuff. But, I mean, it, it was all about, you know, I had fun. It was It was awesome. You know, it was hard. You know, you're working all that time. You, you you know, you spent more time with the boys than you were. That was your family. Then you were home with your own family, you know. Uh, I feel blessed I was there for the birth of my three uh, children. You know what I'm saying? But uh, Vince let me go. I'd come back. You know, for one, I'd go home for one day. She'd pop them out, and then I was back on the road. <laughs> you know, very funny. <laughs> well, speaking of very funny. I was a man on a mission, truly. You know <laughs> Well, there you go. And speaking of stories, we want to come back and hear some more road stories. But first, got to pay some bills, and we'll be right back with some more of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Watch while I press, leaving the mess on the compression. Now you know why I am the best. You're rocking with the best, and that's Ness. And that's a new record. And that's a new record. And that's a new from the heavens like the comic, call me Ansible. Sing Goku the Dragon Ball Z's and no Bonsible. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by RetroGameTreasure.com. These boxes are handcrafted to your playstyle and sent to your home. And they start as low as $29.99. Tell them about the boxes they can get, Johnny. They can get anywhere from three to five games a month from the Super Nintendo, the Nintendo, the Nintendo 64, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, Sega Genesis. You know they have it all with Retro Game Treasure. And Deuce, it's a custom box. They handpick things that you like. They have an amazing website. You put on what you have, put on what you like, put on the genres that you want. They send it to you, custom handbox straight to your door. And of course, they never send you any duplicates. And they always ship on the 22nd of every month so you know they're on time just for you. And it's so easy to order, Deuce. What is the website? The website is Retro GameTreasure.com And don't forget to tell them that the Happy Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Taking a lot from the media, trust nothing permanent. Fuck it in the club, catch me at an IGN tournament. These niggas heart in the money, minor in the car. Stay on my toes at different traps. I surely catch them off guard. All about the Benjamins, that's a host, man. Cause I came to fuck bitches like powdered toast, man. All right, and we're back with our special guest today, Fred Ottman. You know him as the Tugboat, Typhoon, and the Shockmaster. And I know you've got stories in that head of yours, and, and I would love some. So any road story you can tell me, we would love to hear. Well, I know, man. It's like that feeling deal. I only got one, one, one of those left. 
you know, I, I only got a couple of brain cells left, so I have to think really hard. I mean, uh, what I tell people all the time is uh, we were uh, we were doing uh, a double shot in uh, New England and then Boston Garden. We were in uh, had flown the day uh, the day before. Went up to uh, uh, Massachusetts, up high up in Massachusetts, and uh, worked the show up there in the town where Stephen King up in New England, where he lives. And uh, we were working in a hockey arena. It was an uh, afternoon, 12 noon, uh, 11, 12 o'clock in the afternoon show. <clears throat> it was this time of year when it was packed and they got hammered. It was uh, about 15 or 20 below when we got into town. You know, I'm a Florida boy. Yeah. <laughs> we got up there and uh, so we wrestled. And uh, you, Stephen King's a big wrestling fan. I mean, there's several of his books where he mentions wrestlers off. Uh, one of them is Needful Things. He mentions Chief J. Strongbow in there. Okay, so he's a big wrestling fan. And uh, he comes up, uh, he usually comes to the arena, the guys told me. I was real excited. Big Stephen King fan. I uh, read a lot of his books. And uh, I go, uh, we wrestled. He didn't show that. We were, I was kind of disappointed. They, so me and Quake get, get the idea, well, let's go to his house. We can take our picture outside his house. They told the cops told us where to go there to go to the house. We go and find his house because we'd have to be uh, down in the building in, at Boston Garden till like six or seven uh, before the show to get dressed. And uh, so we go out there find his house. Man, it's barn red Victorian house. It's got like the round room in one corner. It looks like it's right straight out of one of his books. It has a wrought iron cemetery fence. Uh, runs the whole piece of property, and uh, on the corners of the gate going up to the front door are are uh, like cobwebs made out of iron in the corners of the gates with two big three-headed dragons like Ghidra out of, out of uh, the, the um, old Godzilla films, right? And then he's got cobwebs, and there's iron spiders and stuff. I mean, with the, the, the crooked points on the top of the fence and stuff. And so we're like, oh, we're taking pictures. And here is snow almost up there behind, right? And people are looking out their storm doors, these two big goose. I mean, I'm, I'm like 410, 4.15 at that time. Quake's like 4.55, 4.60. And we're, you know, out there and taking pictures and jumping around and stuff in front of Stephen King's house. And uh, all of a sudden, Quake looks over, turns around, and uh, we see a Suburban because the house sits back a little bit off the road. And then uh, the carpool coming out of the house, here's the suburban that's, you know, smoking the tailpipe. So, and uh, Quake's like, he goes, Fred, that's it. it's Stephen King, it's Stephen King. So he runs, here's this big goof, is running down the sidewalk. I'm like looking for him to fall in his blind. And I'm like, he's like, Mr. King, Mr. King, oh, Mr. King, you know, waving his arms and stuff like that. So the guy, the car rolls up to the fence and stops, and I come behind Quick and sure enough, man, Stephen King, and we got books with us, and he signs the books for us. A couple of big marks, and uh, you know, he's talking. Oh, he's really—he was excited seeing us, you know. And I'm looking on the dashboard. He was—he uh, had missed the show because he was going to pick up his uh, one of his children from uh, the ice skating arena, arena, right? And so he's—he's he's got all across the dashboard is the California raisins. There must have been like. 20 or 30 uh, glued to the top of the dashboard in this new suburban, man. 
But, I mean, he was just this awesome guy in that, you know, and so we had nice stories to talk. He talked to us quite a few minutes before we went and bolted, but, uh, man, it was awesome. I mean, it was it was on the road. It was stuff like that all the time. Met, you know, Muhammad Ali a couple of times when we would go to L.A. and wrestle there at the arena. I mean, it was always uh, celebs, you know, that would come out. I mean, uh, I remember when Macaulay Cochran was kind of sort of hot from his movies. He's there. He'd come there. There was uh, Corey Everson, who was a big bodybuilder. Um, uh, Luther Vandross was a big fan. Uh, I saw, oh my God, Jack Nicholson popped in. Uh, There's always several, you know, different guys that were coming uh, to that arena, you know, in the middle of L.A. when we were wrestling. But I mean, you know, the business was cool like that. I mean, traveling to different countries and stuff and meeting different people. And uh, we wrestled the, uh, in England at the uh, Royal Albert Hall, from the, uh, with the uh, Royal family was there to watch us one time wrestle there. I mean, it was cool like that. I mean, just, uh, you never knew. But I mean, that's one of the PG stories I can tell you. The other stuff, I have to think of their families, so I can't give you too much other than being on the road with the boys, you know, uh, there was a lot of ribs pulled, you know, when you got nothing to do, you entertain yourself, so to speak. Uh, I remember uh, us going over to England one time, one of my first times going over, and uh, Andre's uh, up in the front, and he's got a guy next to him that was, you know, because Andre's huge, man, and uh, giving him a hard time and being, you know, kind of ugly to Andre, and Andre's a nice guy. Either you liked you or he didn't like you, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the guys is going over there and uh, being real mean to him. And, uh, anyway, long story short, uh, the lights come on, bling, it's getting time for us to land. And, uh, you know, a lot of people take their shoes off, you know, when they're flying to be comfortable, right? And uh, the guy goes to put his, he's sitting next to Andre, he goes to put his, his uh, feet into the shoes and uh, somebody left a gift in his shoes. Somebody pooped in his shoes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Needless to say, you know, it happened on an airplane. So when we get landed, uh, here there was, you know, officials waiting for us. You know, how how this happened? You know, I have no idea. You know, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how something like that could happen. I mean, but there was always something exciting on the road like that. You know, there's been things where guys have gotten into knockdown, drag out fist fights after coming in too late from the bar with guys that they uh, were tagging with and uh, I won't mention any names <laughs> but uh, we you know whole floor up and we're all in uh, on the floor and uh, they're having a battle royal out in the middle of the hallway uh, on the you know eighth or ninth floor <laughs> but uh, it, it was always something something different something crazy I mean but there's a lot I just a ton a ton of different stuff like that have happened through the years well, I wanted to ask you about the first time um, that you won Tag Team Gold. Uh, I mean, it was against yes. the uh, Money, Inc., which for those at home, that's a million-dollar man in IRS. What was that feeling like? Uh, it was awesome, man. Uh, I mean, there you got IRS still works with the company. I mean, you got two guys that were generals, generals, you know, in the company. I mean, in wrestling as far as, you know, their talents go. Um, I, it was incredible, you know what I'm saying? I mean... You know, working with guys like that, you know, 
Ted DiBiase, you know, a second generation, you know, uh, his dad was a tremendous wrestler, you know, uh, IRS, okay. Here you got a wrestling family. You got the Wyndham's, you know, and Rotundo, you know what I'm saying? Rotundo's part of that family, you know, uh, you know, extension as far as even the Wyatt's, you know what I'm saying? And uh, his brother, you know. So, I mean, you know, like I said, loaded with talent. I mean, uh, Mike Rotunda was a tremendous amateur wrestler, you know, and uh, like I said, uh, with with Teddy, you know, Teddy's awesome. Ted, you know, Teddy's worked with the greatest talents, you know, in the industry, you know, and uh, just, you know, being able to be in a ring with guys like that, you know, generals that, you know, it makes wrestling so much better and easier and, you know, and uh, they're comfortable with you, you're comfortable with them and, you know, and uh, it, it's a great experience all the way around. And being, getting the, winning the belts, wow, I mean, you know, just, just awesome, you know, being, having those belts. I mean, I, it meant a lot to me, I mean, through the years of my career, I've had probably, you know, 30 different belts or 32 different belts, you know, wrestling all over the, you know, for different countries and stuff like that, different, different companies. But I mean, you know, being a part of tag team history with the WWE, I mean, it's just, you can't, I mean, I just can't uh, express it to words. Well, speaking of, of, of memories, uh, one I want to ask yes. you about is because this has actually become a big thing in the WWE universe, is what yes. is your WrestleMania moment? And I wanted to ask you, what would you think personally was your WrestleMania moment? And I don't know. Uh, I re- we worked with, WrestleMania, with Ted and, uh, and his partner in WrestleMania in, India, in uh, Indianapolis. Um I don't, I mean, every one of them, this is like, you know, I get that question, you know, well, who was your favorite opponent? Or did you like being a good guy or a bad guy? You know, and uh, I talk with all the, as far as defining moments, I mean, I worked with uh, Dusty Rhodes, who later became my brother-in-law, right? A guy that I cut my teeth watching growing up here in Florida, okay? And I got a chance to work with him, you know? But, you know, I talked to a lot of different guys, you know, when we're, we're doing a, we, I do Comic Cons now, and I've done since starting last year, and do different uh, Wrestle Cons and stuff. And, you know, guys are of the same feeling I am. You know, if I had to do it all over again, I, I wouldn't, you know, because people always want to change things in their life. But to be able to do and, and wrestle the guys that I've wrestled and, and uh, be a part of different matches, like I said, you know, I've wrestled in, uh, both Boston Gardens, I've, bought, I've wrestled in uh, all these different arenas that, you know, my son is w- working in newer ones coming up now. I've wrestled in the Garden. I mean, my first time in the Garden was like, oh my God, man. You know, it's something you only seen on TV and on a pay-per-view or, you know what I'm saying, on a videotape back in the day, on a DVD now. But I was like, oh my God. And to walk through that curtain, to hear the roar of the crowd, I mean, when we walked in Wembley Stadium in 92 for SummerSlam, it was like, oh, my good, oh, it, it was incredible. The, I, you couldn't hear. I could have been telling jokes or screaming profanities across the ring, man, and nothing. The people just went ape, ape crap, man. I mean, I'm like, it was incredible. We wrestled 
in the Olympic uh, building in Spain before the Olympics. We were the first people to use the venue before the Olympics, as far as that goes. My first time to Japan was in the Tokyo Dome. First time I went with WWF, WWE, to Tokyo Dome. We sold it out. And it was me and Quake. And Quake broke in pro wrestling there with Shoei Baba uh, in uh, Tokyo, okay? He wrestled uh, for years, a sumo wrestler. People a lot of times don't know about my partner. He wrestled for uh, LSU. He was an alternate on the Canadian Olympic team. The only reason he was an alternate is because of some uh, political crap, okay? And then he went to Japan, and he was uh, one of the first uh, uh, Americans there undefeated sumo. But he was there for a year. There's a lot of there's a lot of politics, a lot of tradition. Like uh, unless you study on and read up on what sumo is all about and what the lifestyle is, they have their own little sumo town and. the uh, grand champion, you know, the Yokozuna, you know, the young boys train the morning when the Yokozuna decides to wake up, you know, uh, he has his break, you cook his breakfast, all these young guys like Quake and all the young boys are cleaning his place, uh, you know, doing everything but washing his behind, you know what I'm saying? But Quake was undefeated as sumo and then he broke in. Baba took him under his wing, trained him there as a pro wrestler and then, you know, next stop, was WWE, I mean, he was an incredible. And I worked with him as my tag team partner. He was like my brother from another mother. I love him. I miss him very, very much. There's a lot of times I sit and I think about him. You know what I'm saying? But uh, we, uh, it was me and him, and then the Road Warriors, who were legends in Japan. You know, they were undoubtedly, along with Stan Hansen and and, uh, Bruiser Brody, you know, they were in that league of, you know, very well-known, incredible people as far as Japan goes. Well, you I know, want... Being in, pardon? No, I was going to say, I wanted to ask you, speaking of WrestleMania moments, how was it being in the gimmick Battle Royal WrestleMania 17? Because that was awesome, a big man. WrestleMania. I had fun. The people popped when, when it came out. I got, you know, I dumped the gobbly goober. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> you know? And then my partner dumped me. Son of a gun, and I'm like, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, it was awesome. Johnny popped for your partner when you said that he was a wrestler at LSU because Johnny is a certified Louisiana from Louisiana, so he was glad to know that your tag team partner was from LSU and LSU wrestler. I busted his chops when he went to WCW. I took an uh. When they made him the shark, I'm like, busted. He got rid of his tattoo and he had the shark tattoo put on his arm. I'm like, brother, what are you doing, man? And I'm like, I gave him such a hard time. I says, well, you know, and then I had no talk, you know, after doing the Shockmaster gimmick. So <laughs> I'm well, like, oh, my God. Leading, but, you know, in, leading uh, into that, no interview with Fred Ottman would be complete without asking you uh, about the Shockmaster and the Shockmaster experience. The Shockmaster's experience. When it happened, it was live TV, and it was a case of beer night going home back here to Tampa, okay? It's after having that kind of night. It was live at Bash of the Beach, Daytona Beach, and uh, uh, it was incredible. But since that time, I, 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 that, that's the kind of guy I am. I just roll with it, man. I, I got no problem making fun of myself. I have the wrestling purists. They're like, it's the most horrible. 
terrible gimmick in wrestling history. I says, I'm among a lot, a whole lot of bad gimmicks, okay? Yeah, like WCW isn't exactly swimming in good gimmicks right now. Like, I'm actually not doing that bad. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I I, I went with it, and after 20 years, 20 years after that that happened, it's still one of the most talked about and viewed uh, gimmicks, you know, that there is. You know what I'm saying? So, good, bad, or ugly, it has its mark in uh, wrestling history, okay? And I had fun with it, and uh, I had the original helmet when I go to these cons, and uh, between the Star Wars fans and the wrestling fans, you know, it's like the Holy Grail, okay, uh, as far as gimmicks go. They see it sitting on its glittering mass, sitting on the table, and they are just, it's like uh, moss drawn to a light. It gets photographed, it gets stared at, and to have the opportunity, I you know, the occasional fan, I go, you want to wear it? Oh, can I? Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I have fun with it, man, and I, you know, it's not, a, you know, it's not, it's not, it wasn't the greatest night for that particular gimmick and everything like that, but, you know, and very uh, bad as far as the company goes, because they didn't, they were just, like, dumbfounded about what to do after the fact, instead of rolling with it, and, yeah, I, I still believe it was a salvageable type deal, because it was supposed to have been a superhero type deal, but when I came there to the, do the TV, they go, here, you're going to wear this. And they bring out this uh, doctored uh, stormtrooper mask, and that uh, they come up with, and uh, it had these little peeny holes in the uh, eye hole, and it was totally glittered. And they uh, say, so "Put this on," and glitter is coming in through the eye holes into my eyes. Okay, and uh, Janie Ingalls, who was the uh, was Dusty's secretary at the time. Uh, him and Oli were there, and he's like, they had her take her pantyhose off, cut pieces of her pantyhose, and glued it over the holes. So making a glittery bad thing into an even horrible, more uh, terrible thing, okay, now I'm seeing shadows. So the whole basis of the deal is they're telling me the thing, and you gotta go out to this wall, but the wall's been built with two or four studs every 12, 14 inches apart. And it's 10 foot up. It was the set for Flare for the Gold. They go, um, uh, we're going to put you outside uh, right in front of the wall. Uh, When you get, uh, Mike Graham is going to be on the mic. He was working with the office at that time. He's on the headphones. He's going to give you the cue when you're supposed to bust. You're going to have to bust through this wall. Like I said, it's like made like a wall in your your house. You know, uh, two befores and a sheetrock. Five-eight sheetrock. And uh, because it's 10 foot tall, they added uh, a piece right below my knee, right below the knee level at the bottom, okay? And so I put this mask on, which I can't see out of, and uh, I'm there, they're doing all the stuff out there, they're getting ready to go, and uh, Mike uh, looks up to me, he's like, now Fred, you're gonna have to hit this thing hard because you know, it, it, it's stout. You know, I'm like, oh, no problem, brother. So here I am with the, about uh, four or five inches from this wall, okay? And I put my fist, he goes to give me the cue. I put my hands over my head, double axe handle style, and hit this wall 
just as hard. I broke about five boards, five boards busting out the wall. But what happened was, should have kicked the bottom board out first because I hit it so hard overhand that I became the human teeter-totter. So it actually flipped me. I blew through the wall, and you know my knees were right there because I was so close that right like a teeter-totter at the playground, buddy. And I landed. It's live. And I turned my head toward the wall, and I'm reaching the, for the uh, mask to pop back on my head and jump up. And there was no way to microphone this mask. So Oli's the, Oli Anderson is the one that did the voiceover. I am the shock master. You know, that whole deal. And by looking at the video and reading people's lips, the rest is history. Well, I got to ask because... At least yeah. from the research I did, they said you did a dry run, you did it perfect, and then they added that two by four at your no. knees. Did you there think there was no dry run? They took me out there. This is where you're gonna do it. Okay, that was a dry run. That was that a dry was run. Okay, because I had yeah. always thought maybe in the back of my head, maybe one of the boys was trying to rib you and put that extra two by four there to uh, make you trip, just as a goof. But uh, uh, there would be no, you, there would be no way to bust through. I mean, they had to fabricate the whole wall. The whole set. So there'll be no way to do a dry run of it other than set, telling you where you're going to go. Well, this is where you're going to go out here. And uh, when the time is right, you hit the wall, go through, then go through the wall, go into the set. You know, it'd be different if it was like styrofoam or, you know what I'm saying, or something like right, that. Right, right. The boards were gimmicked already, like they saw, saw partially through. You know what I'm saying? Like, hmm, that might be something to do. <laughs> considering what we're going to do. But, uh, no, it wasn't that way. Well, I've got to say, you've had a bunch of amazing gimmicks. Out of all your gimmicks, what do you think was your personal favorite? There you go. I like them all, man. I like them all, uh, no matter what they gave me. From the first one, when they go, they come to me in the office, they go, we got this character, and you know, because no matter what they come up with for you, you have to be comfortable with it. You have to live your gimmick, right? Right. And like I said, I'm a nerd. I still watch cartoons, bro. Okay? <laughs> I still watch cartoons. The older stuff. I like to watch older stuff because the new cartoons don't interest me. It's like watching video games. You know what I'm saying? Or the, you know, I don't like the artwork. I don't like, you know, different things. But anyway, um, they come up and they go, we want you to be this character in the tugboat. And I'm like looking at it and I'm like sitting back and I'm thinking in my mind, let me see. I get to be a cross between Bluto and Popeye in one character. I'm like, I'm on with this deal, buddy. I am going to have nothing but fun. Well, we, you know, I mean, it, and we, it was a work in progress. At one point, we, we did uh, a hockey arena in St. John's. Uh, where was it? Uh, oh, not St. John's. It was in Pennsylvania, in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Famous for the Johnstown flood, okay? And we're at the hockey arena, and we're working a show there in front of about, I don't know, 3,000, 4,000 people. It was a spot show. And so I'm with Dusty. We go out there, and I get out, and I was like second match or something like that with Brooklyn Brawler. And uh, Chief J. Strongwell was one of the road agents. He comes up to me and he goes, uh, Big Man, Big Man, uh, uh, I talked to, to, to Vince, and uh, tonight when you go out, he wants you to sing, you know that song, When the Moon Hits Your Eye? Like the bigger pizza pie he wants you to go out there and you know because here I am with the striped shirt on the sailor hat 
So I go out there and I'm like, if you want to talk about a rip, I go out there, when I'm gonna hit your eye like a big a pizza pie, it's amore. And all the boys are at the curtain. Because when he said that, they all got to go out there to watch this deal, you know? So, I mean, it was stuff like that. My job on the road has always been nothing but a learning experience. And no matter what they did, I mean, I've wrestled. I've had a lot of gimmicks before I came to the WWF. You know, uh, I started in San Antonio. as, uh, as When they first sent me out there, Malenko sent me there as the Terminator. And then they changed me to Big Bubba because Bubba's a name of... Uh, given as a, like a term of endearment, it made me a big Western kind of rugged uh, baby face, big Bubba. And that's where I went from there to Tennessee and so on and so forth. I wrestled for nine months as Hercules Haggerty in uh, Portland, Oregon, for Billy Jack Haynes, who tried to open his own territory against uh, Don Owens, who was the big cheese there for ever and a day. I mean, all over you know that I've wrestled in different small territories. I at least. I had that opportunity, you know, and I learned guys that I watched. Like I said, when I was in Texas, I got to work with Mexican guys, you know, because the thing with luchadors is they work, you know, American style is from the right side. Everything is from the right side. When you watch them on TV, all the majority of the movies you'll see American U.S. style do is from the right side, where uh, Mexican wrestlers, luchas, they work from either or, you know what I'm saying? They can hard drag from one side or the other side, you know, stuff like that. So I, I learned, uh, Shawn Michaels was there. He, uh, his, the guy that trained him, Jose Lothario, was in San Antonio when I was there. Uh, Gene Kaninsky, one of his sons, Nick Kaninsky, was there. Uh, oh, my God. Um, Bruiser Brody was coming in and out from Dallas when he wasn't in Japan. Uh, there was several other... The uh, Chavo Guerrero was there, and then at one point he was the Booker, and uh, Mondo and Hector Guerrero, who was the Gobbly Goober, okay, and the whole family there out in Madrid, a ton of guys there, and you know what? At that time, man, they were helpful. If they seen something, they would talk to you. You know, like I, I meet guys nowadays. I tell them when you're uh, if any info, anything that I could tell you is as far as um, helpful advice. Watch every match that you can watch. You know what I'm saying? Work. I said, you know, I tell them, you know, never try something in front of a crowd that you don't absolutely feel comfortable is your best stuff. You know, if I can tell you, you know what I'm saying? Don't decide one night, well, I think I'm going to try a, a, a moonsault and you've never done one <laughs> Wind up breaking your neck. You know what I'm saying? Uh, don't throw a punch if you don't know how to throw a punch. Don't go throw a kick if you don't know how to throw a kick. And that's the thing when I go to Independence, you know, and I see guys working like that, you know, I like to share with them, you know. Uh, my friend Steve Kern just did a uh, great uh, thing here locally uh, for a bunch of young guys that are trained. That There's a guy here, Frankie Reyes, that trained with Malenko. And he has his own little uh, gym in Brandon, Florida. And uh, he's training a bunch of guys there. He had some guys that he sent back that came over from Wales to train with him. I mean, there's a lot of different places like that around. He just did a seminar, a five-hour seminar there two Saturdays ago. And uh, just really, really good. I mean, uh, you know, it's, when we do the sci-fi deal, we're going to do about a 20-minute or so Q&A there in conjunction with the, not just sitting at the table and, and talking to people. I, I, I'm one, like, I'm talking with you guys. 
I just keep meandering, so you have to. No, don't even worry about it, man. We love it. And actually, that's why we're so uh, thankful that you're going to be at Sci-Fi Bartow, and also you're going to be coming to our booth. And uh, one thing I wanted to say with you, I actually like to think, uh, because we're big Mick Foley fans, you were the first three faces of Foley because you did Tugboat, you did Typhoon, you did Shockmaster. You did so many gimmicks that you could change on a dime, and and I just thought that was amazing. But we, we can't finish the interview with asking you one question. You were brother-in-law yes. to Dusty Rhodes. We were big fans yes. of sitting underneath the learning tree and learning like we have from you tonight. How was it to learn from Dusty Rhodes on the road? Yes, baby. Well, let me tell you about Dusty Rhodes. He is the tower of power. No matter the hour. Too sweet to be sour, baby. He's a women's pet men's regret, baby. Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. If I give you the bionic elbow and I don't knock you on your ass, you'll be doing funny things on your two feet, baby, if you know what I'm saying. My brother-in-law was incredible. He was a smart, incredible man. He had tremendous charisma. He was a tremendous mind as far as the Business girls, even when he worked with WCW, he used to talk to events on a regular basis. You know what I'm saying? They would talk almost every day, okay? And, uh, you know, he was the opposition. Uh, he was just incredible. I mean, you know, they put the polka dot, Vince put the polka dots on. He took that, what he thought was, you know, because Vince is really big about ribbing people. You know, like the uh, Red Rooster back in the day. You know, giving you goofy stuff and... And, uh, you know, ha, 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 you know, and seeing where you go with it, you know. Uh, Dusty was incredible, you know. I mean, road trips with him and, and Macho Man. Oh, my God, you know. Here I am uh, in the car with, that's uh, before it was, you know. It, uh, you know, we're in California. We go to eat after we took a work and we're going to go to the next town. And uh, we stopped eating at a, at a restaurant and, uh, and, uh, and I'm talking with uh, him, and I'm talking with uh, Macho Man, you know, and it's just, you know, he goes, boom. He goes, well, yeah, brother. He goes, let me tell you something, brother. It's like this. There's only, in this business here, the only guarantee is there's no guarantees, you know? And I'm, like, laughing at him and shit like that, but he was a, a, a tremendous guy. You know what I mean? That's, you know, I, I have my nephews, Gold Dust, and I have, you know, Cody Runnels, ooh, Stardust, you know what I'm saying? And my other brother-in-law was Sags of the Nasty Boys, you know? So can you imagine at a holiday sit-down? Well, I, I got to believe it's great, but I can't let you upstage me because I do a good Dusty Roads on my own show. Oh. <laughs> and let, let me tell you. Tell you what, brother, I've dined with kings and queens and I've dined on pork and beans because I'm the greatest <laughs> death of the roads. That's, yeah, that's the man. Man, I, we, the man. we loved him. I grew up being born and raised here in Florida, grew up with him. He was a legend. He was a hero. He was uh, almost a mythical godlike figure in, in our household. And to know that you were l- related to him, I, I just could not... Uh, not bring that up in the interview, but I did want to ask you one question while we still got you here. Uh, what sure. do you think about Cody now with the new Stardust gimmick? What do you, What are you thinking? What are your thoughts? You know what? It's a, it's a it, a lot of people have their different you know uh, thoughts about the gimmick, but you know it's entertainment. I, I like it. I don't know uh, where they're gonna go with it or what they're gonna do with it. I mean, it's just like when 
they put the uh, the weird gimmick on you know on Dustin, you know. Uh, <laughs> what is it with me. your nephews and face paint? Like once they get face paint on, they take it to the <laughs> next level. I don't know what the deal is with that, but once they get that face paint on, they kick it into a whole new gear. Well, I'm gonna tell you what. If you want to see something funny, pull up YouTube. Uh, one of my gimmicks was uh, Superstar Big Bubba in Memphis. Okay. Okay. And it's me dancing. If you want to see something outstanding, okay. Oh yeah, in pink leotards, baby, leopard print. Okay. Look at handsome, baby. Look at handsome. I had a dance-off contest with the Rock's daddy. Okay. Rocky Johnson, like bust a boombox over his head, completely in two. Wow. All right, so you give you all kind of gimmicks, hey, face paint. I think it's awesome, man. I like the gimmick. Uh, you know, I, I like to see him. He's a great worker, you know, just like his brother's a great worker. They work different styles, but both of them are great. And uh, I'd like to, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with, with Cody, uh, you know, but uh, I'm sure that... Uh, Whatever they do, uh, uh, you know, I like to, like I said, I like to see him like that. I mean, uh, it's a it's a shame in the business that so many guys look the same kind of look now. You know, yeah, they they've got the they same about, kind of uh, like bodybuilder fit look, but then you see, you know, uh, a Cody doing the gold or not gold dust gimmick. Excuse me, he's doing the Stardust gimmick, which is great. He had that amazing match at SummerSlam with Stephen Amell from Arrow, which was great because it got him a lot of cross-promotion. And it's good to see Goldust coming back now. It looks like he's going to team with R-Truth. Uh, so it's good to see him back, too, because I love both of those guys. I think they're phenomenal, uh, especially you know Goldust being from High Springs, where my brother's from, and being able to meet him a couple times. One of the greatest, nicest, most down-to-earth guys I've ever met. Um, just willing to sign an autograph at a drop of a hat. And, and Cody being a phenomenal guy that he is, I, I really oh, can't definitely. wait to see what they're going to do next. You know, I, me too. You know, like I said, I really like to see, you know, uh, something. I mean, I have no call over, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, I mean, I'd like to see uh, them break up the what, the shows that they have. It'd be nice to see, like, a Saturday morning type kids show again. It would be nice to see uh, a... Uh, a little more hard, after 10 at night, more hardcore stuff. I mean, they're at the mercy of stockholders now. Yeah. You know, but but more diversity is, as far as I go. And more, uh, maybe a little more, a few more gimmicks, you know what I'm saying? They're doing a cartoon now, that can't, back to Candy on the network. I mean, the network, first of all, I always pump the network. I, I get nothing off it, but I'm like, what a great deal, okay? When you're talking about pay-per-views that are going for 40 50 bucks, and for $9.99 a month, okay, you not only get wrestling history, the independent programs that they're putting together out there, you know what I'm saying, especially for kids that love wrestling, you know what I'm saying, what a great incentive just to bring, for you to make good grades, I'll buy you the network, you know what I'm saying? Or exactly. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm just saying, as a parent, <laughs> and I thought, I said, because... Think of all this stuff. I tell people all the time, you know, a, uh, a uh, Big Mac meal at McDonald's is about 10 bucks, man. It's all like, no, you know, it's totally worth like it. This, 
We're you big know, fans that, of the network, and it's only nine ninety nine. And also, what I like being a parent because you mentioned that is the parental controls on it are amazing. So if you want to set them yeah. at a certain level, they can't watch all the old Attitude Era stuff, and they can watch more of the PG stuff. So I mean, yeah. as a parent, it's a great buy. It's a great buy as a fan because trust me, uh, if you were getting pay per views in high def because I was buying them every month, they were sixty dollars. Now I'm paying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm paying nine ninety nine a month, and I get all my pay per views in high def, so we all my friends can still come over and watch, and I get all the great yeah. programming because that's what gets me through the gym is watching all the great shows like Table for Three, Breaking Ground. Oh yeah, Breaking Ground, uh, Ride Along, um, and hopefully the new show that you're going to be on, Edge and Christian show that reeks of awesomeness. I can't wait for that. Yeah, man. I mean, I you know. I love that kind of stuff, and, and I, what a value, like you say, and to be able, you can sit down, if you have a kid, you can, that's getting into that that age, you know, six, seven, eight, up, and uh, just grasping it, to see, they're seeing Cena and all these new guys and stuff like that, and to show them, this is, when I was your age, this is what I was watching and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying, and, and let them see, oh wow, you know, and it's really cool when I go somewhere, and the kids know who I am. And I'm like, I mean, the birthday party I did the other day, man, he was just, you know, he, he knows everything. You know, him and his dad, I mean, they're tight. And uh, like I said, uh, I think that is a very, very cool thing. I mean, he makes great grades in school. He's playing with his, he's got every action figure known to that man. Plus, you know, they always buy doubles. So he can play with one and he's got the other one in the box. You know, so like I said, he'll be able to pay for his house, hopefully, uh, when it comes time, or his car, first car and stuff because of the memorabilia he has, if he wants to get rid of it. If he's like me, I don't get rid of anything. I'm a hoarder. You know, but I'm like, uh, I think it's very, very cool, you know, to have something and enjoy it, and plus being able to enjoy it with uh, your dad or your mom, you know what I'm saying, because it's a multi-age deal, or your great-grandfather and stuff like that. I mean, it's awesome. Uh, as far as that goes. Well, Fred, I want to thank you, number one, so much for your time, and I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I also want to put this invite out to you as we put to all of our guests. You have an open-door invitation to the show anytime. You've got my cell phone number. If you've got any other wrestlers that would like to come and tell their stories on the show or your son or anybody else, you've got my number. Give it to them. They can text me. I will set it up, and we'd love to have them on the show, and we'd love to have you back on the show because we haven't even started to, you know, crack open the stories that you've got and we'd love to hear more from you and the fans can hear more from you at sci-fi bartow they got to check it out and you're actually going to be live on air with us at sci-fi bartow which i'm looking forward to and like i said fred thank you so so much for your time and thank you for the time letting us sit underneath the learning tree oh it's awesome man like i said you got my number anytime you want to give a call i'll definitely put a bug in a few of the guys ears for you guys you know, I mean, I think it's just tremendous, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed, you know, like I said, I enjoy. I get up there and I start talking, and it's like the dam burst open as far as my mouth running off. Well, Fred, but, you uh, can I put a you guys have a purchase. Well, Fred, you can put a little bug in the guy's ears, and even them want to come to the table. There's word on the street allegedly going to be at least two cases of beer in my uh, cooler. So if they want to come <laughs> by and have a beer at our table and share a couple stories. Uh, I will be more than happy to put up a couple beers for a couple stories. Oh, no problem, man. I'll definitely let them know that. 
Well, thank you again so much for this lovely evening, Fred. And hopefully we'll hear from you again on the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce really, really soon. Excellent, man. I look forward to it, buddy. Awesome, Fred. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. You guys have an awesome evening, man. You You too, Fred. Thanks. See you. Wow, that was the amazing Fred Ottman, Tugboat, Typhoon, Shockmaster. Those were amazing stories. And don't forget to come and see him live at Sci-Fi Bartow. He will be there. He will be at our table. Absolutely. There's going to be other yeah. wrestlers there, Bushwhacker. He named the list. It's so huge. Well, I it's can- funny, dude. So let's just say... I didn't really. You and I really didn't talk much in this. It's so great because Fred, he, he got on a tangent. It was like it was great to sit there and just like listen to him talk about everything and like it was amazing to get that story that side of him and like we just kind of let him go on. This he's is so literally great. the first time in an interview where I've seen me me and you both put our microphone down. I know. Like we, we like, literally both we put our like, microphone down. We, we like, thought we were gonna. It was funny because we thought he was gonna end a sentence and then he continues on with another story and we're like, this is amazing. This is amazing. This is, like, awesome. this is the easiest night for us ever. It's so great. So, it's so great. And I cannot wait exciting. to have Fred Ottman back. We can't again. wait. He's amazing. And like I said, you've got to see February twentieth. February twentieth at Sci Fi Barto. You've got to come out and see us. There's going to be so many WWE legends there. Why are you going to miss this show? Because it's it's, it's free. free. I mean, you've got yep. no reason to miss this show because it's free. Come out, something for have everybody. A good time. It's going to be awesome. It's good for everybody. It's going to be a good time. It's a family event. It's kid friendly. You're going to want to come out and see us. And speaking out of coming out and seeing us, how can they find us on the internet so they, they can come can, and see us for our next gig? They can find us on Twitter at HH Podcast Show on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash happy hour podcast show of course when you're talking about the happy hour with johnny and deuce there's not one not two but three ways you want to hashtag in your social media of choice that's hashtag happy hour podcast hashtag hh podcast show and hashtag deuce is on the loose later see ya and if you like the music that you heard on this episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, don't forget to check out our good friend Manic on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash Manic Elite. Me and Manic does a lot of things making me mental, 99 problems and resolving them all could be so simple. Yeah, I don't have the intellectual slack or fundamental. Why you in my raps? Yeah, my voice is so instrumental. My rap style's explosive. My mind is so corrosive. Yeah, it can be a shock and my emotions are explosive. Truly a mess, such a lyrical mess. And I don't need the water, let them know I'm the best.